Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Die Strong Word. I'm Pastor H.A. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We're looking back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, looking at chapter 11. And, uh, you know, I, I said it last time, this is the biggest chapter so far in, in 1 Corinthians. And, and then then I have to say it all over again. Uh, <laughs> this, this chapter is huge. This is... Uh, there's going to be a few chapters, I think, that we're going to say this about. We're going to have, um, just coming up in a little bit, First Corinthians 15, which is like the go-to chapter on the resurrection. Well, this is the go-to chapter on the Lord's Supper. When you talk about, you know, so what does the Lord's Supper mean? What's its significance? Is there a right way to do it? Is there a wrong way to do it? This is the chapter, bar none, that that answers those sorts of questions, or at least that we try to answer those questions uh, with. So uh, that's a real challenge for us today. Um, so what what is it saying about the Lord's Supper? Uh, you know, what is this talk about eating and drinking judgment on oneself? Uh, and that that <laughs> all follows the stuff about head coverings. Now, what does head coverings have to do with the Lord's Supper? Maybe that's a little bit of the question we'll be struggling with today. Um, I think I think that yeah, there's there's a pretty good connection actually. But well, we'll have to talk through that. Some good stuff for us today. Um, we, we're having a little bit of trouble getting our guest, but Lord willing, we'll be able to connect to him soon. Um, until we do, let's let's if you're uh, if you're listening live here, would you please pray with me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this new day. Your mercies are new every morning, and so is your merciful justice that you that you uh, execute, uh, that you that you use to take care of us. You hold back uh, manifold um, harms and dangers and loss and grievances, sicknesses every day. You have protected us and brought us through the night safely to this moment. May we, with gratitude, look at your word with open minds and open hearts to receive the grace and goodness that points to our Lord Jesus Christ throughout the scriptures, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. So, looking at chapter 11, let's go ahead and make the tension even more difficult here and start back in chapter 10. Because right, this is this is the this is the amazing thing. I just I, I really I really just love this actually when <laughs> the chapter is more challenging. Uh, because earlier in chapter ten, right, we were talking about the Lord's Supper. So it seems like perhaps at a glance that this head coverings thing is just a total detour, right? Um, in the previous section, he was talking about you know do all to the glory of God. We didn't really get a chance to talk about this in that much detail. But he's talking there about eating and drinking. He's talking about the, that phrase there, the table of the Lord versus the table of demons. So he's already talked about the Lord's Supper, and then he goes and talks about head coverings. Okay, all right, let's just read it first. Let's see if we can make sense of it together here. So here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, with a running start here in 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question of the ground on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the Church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut, her, cut off her hair or to shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is, was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created from woman for woman, but woman for man. That's why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as a woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him, but if a woman has long hair, it's her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone's inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order for those, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the, the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not have been judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, 
When you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Oh man, all right, we have our hands full this morning. <laughs> and uh, thanks be to God, we, we did actually manage to get a hold of our guest here. So uh, this, is, this is a great time for him to join the conversation. We've got, as our guest returning, one of our regulars, we've got Pastor Stephen Tice, pastor from Frona, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Glad that we were able to get a hold of you. And wow, there is so much going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. A very, a very busy, busy section of, of Paul's direction to the church in Corinth. There's some, some really, I'm going to call them meaty things here for the whole history <laughs> of the church. And then there's some things that directly applied for the folks at Corinth because of their, uh, I'm going to say, cultural setting that teach us without necessarily being law for us, but they teach us something vitally important. So we have a couple of different spots here we have to look at. Yeah, and that, that is really going to be a lot of the tension, I think, that, you know, how do, how do you differentiate between what, what, is, what is the, you know, kind of put it this way, just to kind of accentuate this, what's the timeless truth about the Lord's Supper, right, and about worship, and mm -hmm. what's the really contextual, situational stuff that Paul is just really intending just for the Corinthian situation? And uh, parsing that out, I mean, it can potentially just make all the difference because you can you can wind up on one side that pretty much says, you know what, you know, practically all of this is just stuff that's particular for this context and their culture. And so you walk mm -hmm. away from this kind of saying, well, you know, there's not really much that I need to do in response to, to reading this and reflecting on this. Uh, to, to the other side, which says that this is pretty much like, yeah, if, if we if we do any deviation from this, well, the same sorts of judgment are going to fall upon us. To, so there's a, there's a whole spectrum here, and it's a real mm -hmm. interpretive challenge. Yeah, and, and I think this is, again, as, as they taught you, I know when you were at the seminary, they taught me that when it comes to reading Scripture, context is the key. And we suffer from a, a major, I'm going to say, disability or obstacle in that we don't really know all the cultural things of the ancient Greco-Roman world that meant a cultural, social, um, significant activity for somebody that today doesn't mean the same thing. It's, you know, that I was reflecting earlier to myself that there was an expression 200 years ago that became common in Great Britain called, it was referenced to wasting time or, or foolish efforts, it was called carrying coal to Newcastle. Now, that expression got used for a long time, as did the other one, rule of thumb. But yeah. if, you don't, if you don't know the historical context, to say carrying coals to Newcastle only meant Newcastle had a coal mine, so it was dumb to carry coal there. They had their own. But it <laughs> right. became an expression for something uh, as a waste of time or foolish. And, of course, the rule of thumb was the old English law that said uh, the, the stick that could be used for for beating an individual could no be could not be any bigger than the thumb of the person who would do the beating with it. And mm. when we say rule of thumb today, we really don't mean go get a stick and make it the size of your thumb, but we still <laughs> right. say rule of thumb. Right. So well, I, no. So those those are both really uh, yeah good examples because like on the one hand it's like you you 
you like really have to know the cultural context to appreciate what's being said. On the other hand, if you go and you you dig up the cultural context, you might overinterpret what's being said. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh, well, I figured out, you know, where the expression came from and all this. And so whenever whenever he says this, this is what he really means. No, it has nothing to do with that anymore. So yeah. I mean, it's it's a real challenge. It's like you know maybe maybe we'll figure out the cultural context and it'll help us. Maybe we'll figure out about the context and we'll go too far with it. So uh, yeah. yeah, kind of uh, between Scylla and Charybdis, as yep. uh, as the Greeks would say. Yep, we we keep a we keep a balance, and at the same time we remember that there are statements that are clear, and the clear statements are the ones we hang on to that that are cross time and across culture and as you start off yeah. with the very well, very first part of it paul's saying be imitators of me as i am of christ so clearly he's saying right. look back to jesus first that's yeah you know, that's so the place this, we look this first. is our starting point uh, this this is this is our starting point right and um yep. and this and what's interesting here and i think the the esv is um is right on with this you know even though that's uh, the first verse of chapter 11 it's grouping it together with chapter 10. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's pretty helpful to see that there there really is a, a, a kind of, well, it's a pretty, I'd say, yeah, it's a pretty tight connection still. Uh, because when he's saying this, you know, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, he, he's really referring back to everything he just said about um, doing everything to the glory of God, right? Right. This is, this is the, the, the instruction to the church is not a list of rules for living in a church structure. It is, this is how we live as God's people in the context of a world where there is sin and brokenness and where human beings have to relate to each other. So we go back to how does God benefit the glory of God, the truth of God's love for us? How is that made clear in how we act? And the, the uh, phrase that, that he uses when it comes down to this is, the idea that if anyone is is inclined to be contentious, so if you're going to argue about yeah. these things, then we'll stop the argument and say this is how we do it in the church. But here, let me explain to you why we do things the way we do and, and how each one connects to another. When we look particularly at the, the topic about the covering of the head in the very beginning of this chapter, he says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. The right. head of Christ is God. So there's a circle that's going on here that talks about interconnectedness. And I'm going to use this term of, of a connected circle as opposed to a hierarchical um, ranking because these connections come back in a circle to God. They're never just about earth. They're never just about the church member, either the husband and the wife or the, the leader and the and the, the non-office holder in the church, here particularly he's saying, the way that you present yourself to those outside the church, getting back to what he said earlier about offering food sacrificed to idols, that he doesn't want to damage the conscience of someone outside the church, not himself. So here he's picking up that theme again, that the behavior of covering the head is what needs to be done in order to keep the gospel from becoming a scandal. And in our culture today, you know, this is it's one of those interesting things I picked up years ago. There were those people when I was a child who always wore a hat to church. Now, the men did, mm. too, but they took theirs off and they went inside. Yeah. Women, however, were wearing hats to church. 
and my wife and I yeah, were on Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My wife and I were on a vacation once, and, and we happened to be in a foreign country, which had a, a strong uh, Roman Catholic tradition. And at the entrance to the church, for those who were tourists, visitors coming to view the, the artwork, they had little lace head scarves, caps, for a woman to pick up and cover her head before coming into church. That was yeah. their way of, of providing the possibility of avoiding offending the conscience rather than telling you you can't come in with a hat. They made something available. But it, it reminded me that if I don't put it on when I go in, I will, I will my personally, not me, but my wife, could be offending a believer in Christ. And so, you know, you, you ask, how do, we do with, how do we deal with these things? We treat them as ways to show concern for the other Christian. And that's really where Paul's going with this, too. Says, yeah, well, thanks for that example. And you know, as you were speaking, I was just um, I was just reminded how at my former congregation we um, they they didn't do it all the time. Though I think there were like a few women um, who who had been there for for some time that that did actually wear hats regularly. Uh, but mm-hmm. at, there was a, at least every every year there was like a like a kind of special like occasion where they they did actually like it was like all the women had hats on they were, and they're all kind of like fancy hats with like you know bows and flowers and stuff and they mm-hmm. would like have tea afterwards and stuff but 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 yeah like th- this uh this hat thing um yeah i mean it's a, it's a thing and and it's actually to this day even um even um uh, in certain circles it's like you know right like you know they're not going to come into into church without their head being covered and and i think that that kind of gets at uh one one of the big misunderstandings in this uh, section that you could kind of quickly mm-hmm. get into um talking about every man who prays or prophesies that's an interesting mm-hmm. phrase with his head covered right and so i i think that's kind of like the first thing to understand when he talks about praise or prophesies and then later when it, when he talks about um a woman uh, mm-hmm. praying we're, we're talking about public prayer i mean the the whole context right i mean just just yeah. think about it even when he gets into the next section when it's you know when you come together it's not for the better but for the worse the whole context is actually public worship and so this this is like i think one of the the kind of just fundamental points he is talking about public speaking and and yeah. that that's interesting how that that's not like you know so he's saying like you know so if you're at home like and you you know say mm-hmm. the lord's prayer at night you have to put a hat on this is talking about the public setting and like what you were saying, what is uh, offensive or what seems proper or what, what are those like standards for, you know, being out in public? Mm-hmm. And, and as we look at the, the action of praying and prophesying with the head covered for, for the woman, it is to, to reflect also that the angels in heaven have a, a, a relationship with God. They're always under his authority but that doesn't make them lesser valuable creation of God than, than anything else. And I think as you talk about public worship, Paul specifically has to address something for the Corinthians that they've never dealt with before. And the Gentile community did not have what I would call the, the practice of, of the worship and rituals and the the temple in Jerusalem where they went annually for the various festivals and saw the the covering of the priesthood. The priests entered the temple wearing certain clothes, and they couldn't go in 
any way they chose. They had to be dressed a certain way. And what Paul is, is getting at is there is a communication in public worship that teaches yeah. whether you intend it to or not. So you have to be careful how you do it so that you don't accidentally teach something you don't mean to teach. And in this case, he's getting to this relationship between the husband and the wife, the man and the woman. And, and notice in verse 12, he gets back to the very simple statement. A woman was made for man, man is now born of women, and all things are from God. And, and it comes back to that relationship with God. And I remember reading and talking with a couple about Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church, and how marriage is a picture of that. What we're hearing in this section, and it's clear in the Old Testament repeatedly, that what happens in the tent of worship later, the, the house of worship, the temper, tabernacle in the temple, is based on what's going on in heaven. The pattern for those buildings yeah. was given yeah. by God to reflect heaven, so that now, after Christ's resurrection, the bride of Christ gathered in worship still reflects what's going on in heaven. And so part of what Paul's teaching actually is saying we don't want to misrepresent what worship of God is just because the community might expect us to act one way. We won't do that because it will misrepresent God. And I think that becomes a key thought for us, especially in modern cultural challenges with how the church gathers for worship. It's one thing in your own home, as you mentioned, to sit down in a family setting. That's not public worship. Totally different right. environment and different rules apply for the, the way you conduct worship at home. But when it's the public right. worship, this is meant to portray what's going on in heaven as well. And I, I don't remember anybody ever putting a whole lot of focus on that in any of my, my uh, courses at the seminary. But uh, I'm sure it might have been mentioned, but I probably wasn't listening carefully that day. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate. Well, well, I, I, I think that's a, that's a brilliant point. And, and I think it's really helpful, too, especially we just you know finished reading Exodus, right? And we talked about these mm -hmm. things. And, and, and that's an important reminder because I feel like in our you know, 2020 perspective, we're looking at this and we're saying, hey, now, why, why is it that, you know, the woman has to put something on? The woman's got to cover up, right? You know, and we have this kind of reaction that's like, eh. mm -hmm. but um, I mean, yeah, just that's helpful. Go back to Exodus, right? The, the men who were there had to cover up. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Remember the description of the high priest? Man, he had so many layers of clothing and literal like bells, uh, yep. not whistles, but I mean, just but, like, you know, tassels. <laughs> there were yep. bells, though, <laughs> you know, and yep. just all this stuff. Um, it's just like you were saying, you know, and, and why is that? Right. Um, well, it, it's uh, there, there is there is a there's item of modesty going on. But it's just like you were mm -hmm. saying, it's all it's all communicating uh, the the clothing is itself like like part of the worship space. I mean, that, that's, mm -hmm. what, that's what kind of happens with, with public settings, right? That the people and the place combine, right? So, like, you, you can say, for example, like, you know, I went to church, just like, you know, someone could say, you know, I went to Newcastle or I went to Market. Like, mm -hmm. there, there's, like, places, and, and the thing is it becomes a place because of that public gathering dimension of it. So, right. yeah, so it's every, everything is symbolic, and so that's, I, I think, so key then. So it's not about, well, like, you know, the woman has to put something on, and, you know, the man, oh, he can do whatever. No, everyone was symbolizing in this. Mm -hmm. And so the question then, I think, becomes, so what is being symbolized? And I think it does have to do a lot with 
communion um, so that it's not it's not really a detour um, between yeah. chapter 10 and chapter 11 but we gotta we gotta get to that after the break here everyone hold on we're looking at first Corinthians chapter 11 here on thy strong word we'll be right back <laughs> Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. This is a test of the emergency alert system. This has been a test of the emergency alert system. And yeah, we were just talking about there's a lot going on here, and mm -hmm. uh, especially because everything is so symbolic and full of meaning, not just in terms of what you have going on in the culture, but um, just like Pastor Tice was saying, the things that are there in the public worship space symbolizing heaven itself. Uh, we'll ho hopefully have a chance to talk a little bit more about the angels bit in verse 10. A lot of good stuff uh, to be talking about today. We're uh, I'm absolutely mm -hmm. not going to be able to talk about all of it again. But nope. if you have any questions that you really want to make sure that we talk about something here, well, you know, we'll take a few questions. If you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash Espinosa. So this is this idea that we were just talking about here, mm -hmm. uh, symbolizing e even heaven itself, you know, like what was going on in the worship in the tabernacle. Yeah. Uh, th this might be helpful then about this angel spit. That was one of the questions we got over Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. So like, hang on, what, be because of the angels? I mean, it's interesting, and the ESV has this interesting footnote too, or messengers, that is, people sent to observe and report. Okay. So who is he, or what is he talking about here in verse 10? 
Well, the, you know, the, the Greek, Greek word angelos literally means messengers. And the implication, I think, because this is going to be something a little broader, goes back to the idea that the angels have a relationship with God and they show respect and honor in his presence when they gather for worship. As you mentioned earlier, Isaiah chapter 6, we have the six-winged seraphs flying back and forth with two wings. What are they doing with the other four? Well, they cover their feet and they cover their faces. Kind of a modest relationship of the the presence of God. And and getting back to what Paul says right there in, in verse 11, nevertheless, in the Lord, in the church, in this relationship where we are connected to God, the human rules are not the ones we are going to apply. It's the spiritual rules from God. So this ongoing relationship. And if, in fact, it's a, a reference to human messengers who have showed up, then it's in order to avoid offending or even misinstructing them that one is not connected to another in the worship service. Let me put that another way. When we gather for worship, we gather I don't go there alone, and then everybody else is doing something, and I'm sitting there doing my own thing. We are connected. Right. And, and this right. is one of the greatest challenges, in my personal opinion, the Christian church faces, especially in North America and in the United States, this idea of independence, that I have my own rights, I can do whatever I want, and it's, you know, it's my choice. In the life of the church... Those words are never applied to us. It is always yeah, we no, are that's Christ. right. Yeah, we have this connection. So, go ahead. Well, no, what, what's uh, yeah, we we have that word, you know, independence, right? That sounds so mm-hmm. good to us from an American perspective. Uh, but like the closest like biblical equivalents are like cut off, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a bad bad thing all over the Old Testament and even into yes, the New Testament. You don't want to be cut off. You don't want to be mm-hmm. disconnected. Being independent—that's judgment. That's 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 a horrible consequence mm-hmm. of sin. Um, you know. So I mean, like it's it's really a challenge, right? Just because we're we're coming we're, we're coming at this from a really different perspective than. Uh, the Bible itself. So, I, I mean, I, I, going back to the thing about angels before we press on to some other questions that came in over mm-hmm. email, um, I, I like what you were saying. I mean, I acknowledge that, yeah, the, the word is, you know, they're like, you know, tus, ange, tus angelus, you know, the, the messengers. How, mm-hmm. However, right, um, it, because it has that, that word there, the, like the, angels yeah he's mm-hmm. not been talking in this context about any particular messengers that are present so right. it, mm-hmm. it seems kind of unlikely that he would be talking about that more likely that he's talking about um like the the angels that are in heaven i would say uh, and, because he's already been talking about god and he's kind of like already gone mm-hmm. there and so it kind of makes sure. sense to just say like the angels and i think your analogy is helpful that just as uh, the, the angels have modesty before God and they bow down in his presence, you know, that's mm-hmm. what you have in Revelation, right? So there's this angel-God representation. So similarly, there's the church, which shows reverence before Christ. Mm-hmm. And then similarly, again, a woman showing reverence before her husband. And so uh, the, the woman and the man, they're representing a lot of things that are going on, not just on earth, but in heaven. Yes, and this is the the ongoing 
the ongoing reality that our our culture has a problem with is, and and that's I'm going to blame Satan because he's the primary opponent of God's truth, is that all marriage is meant to be a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. So all marriage is supposed to be a man and a woman, and anything that isn't that can't be a picture of Christ and his bride, the church, so Satan will attack it. But even to claim that within the marriage there is a a level of equality rather than a, a category of role that comes with being a husband or a wife is to mess up the picture of Christ and his bride, the church. And, and see, that's, that's part of what's going on in this, in this section too. If you can, if you can get away from the church response to Christ as the bride responds to the husband by making the, the wife and the husband indistinguishable within worship, you've just about removed Jesus from the picture. So I, I think I think that's really well said. That I mean, this is the picture, right? And and people, you know, mm-hmm. so he hasn't gotten to the point yet where he's going to say, um, you know, I do I do not, for instance, there's that quote from Paul, I do not permit a woman to speak in church. Again, he's talking about public speaking and under certain right. particular sets of circumstances, you know, or uh, any of the other sorts of things that he says on this topic. But uh, with this idea, right? Like if there's a man and there's a woman. Um, and he, he has this uh, this line. This is not uh, First Corinthians, but this uh, this submitting when he really de- develops mm-hmm. this. I think it's in Ephesians, right? Yeah, um, Ephesians five. That, yeah. that that there's this uh, this interpretation that people have. Well, it's mutual submission, right? You, you know, the man submits to the to the woman, and the woman submits to the man. I mean, that that sounds, I guess, nice yeah. on paper in a Western perspective, but it doesn't mm-hmm. actually make any sense uh, because if if both parties submit to themselves or you know i mean it's it's sort of like okay so i mean only only one can actually be in charge at the end of the day if you're if you're mm-hmm. saying okay here's a decision we're gonna go left or we're gonna go right you can't just say oh, okay we'll go left oh no 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 we'll we'll go right i mean that's that awkward dance you do on the sidewalk with people where yep. you don't know which mm-hmm. way to <laughs> go around each other like no yeah, some absolutely. somebody's got to do it at the end of the day and it's just mm-hmm. like you said so like between the man and the woman somebody's got to wear the head covering. Somebody's got to say, somebody's submitting here. Because if you don't, you're ultimately saying nobody's in charge, which is just what you were saying, which is a way of saying that, well, Christ isn't really here. There's, there's, there's yeah. no head. There's just mm-hmm. church here. There's just church yeah. doing whatever church feels like. Yeah, and that's, that's what Paul gets to at the very end of that section where he says, if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we don't have any such practice in the churches of God. That's just not the way we do it, because it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't accomplish the purpose of the church to accommodate to culture. The church presents truth. Now, where there's no accommodation, we make adjustments. But when to make an accommodation denies the truth of who we are, it's like that, speaking about accommodations, the Lord's Supper, and I know you may or may not have, have meant to go this direction, but one of the things that came out in the, the past couple of months was this whole question of can you do virtual communion uh, and yeah. i mean boy oh boy <laughs> talk about accommodation uh, yeah. that that messes up the doctrine of the church any rate yeah well no no that, that, that's right and so this gets into like a lot of questions that, that people have had and i mean it, it gets back to this idea of of coming together of of gathering right and and think mm-hmm. 
think about this, right? So uh, actually, I, I've not uh, made this connection before even. But I'm going to check this out here. It says here, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. So he uses this term. Um, it literally, yeah, it's pretty much literally come together. It's like the word for, for, for come, like, you know, uh, arrive, mm -hmm. like to move in the direction of the speaker or uh, the point of reference, right? Uh, and then it, with this, this little particle that means just together it's it's the the particle that we get like synergy or synthesis mm -hmm. that like that like togetherness idea um yeah and then if we go back earlier to where was it now it was earlier when he was giving um guidance on people who are uh married here yeah so then he says what it says in there the, yeah, is first corinthians chapter 7 verse 5 yeah so what does he say here it says, uh, interesting here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so don't don't deprive each other, right? Because he's trying to like don't, you know don't don't fall into temptation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but he says, come together again. So what's what's the word the verb there? Uh, um, prosekai. Is it is it the same? Oh, okay, no, interesting. Yeah, no. So That's it's right. actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that it's so that, so that's actually it's a little bit a little bit different. Yeah, that's, so, that's so the, more the of the prepositions, yeah. Yeah, no, so so the same word isn't actually used. No, it's not. But uh but but uh the the same what, what what's kind of crazy about this, I think this is like big picture. He's not using the exact same words. Um same words might be a little bit immodest actually, but the but the overall picture I think is is kind of approaching the same that mm -hmm. the intimacy of the Lord's Supper is actually reflecting uh, what's going on in the intimacy between Christ and the church. Um, yeah. The, the intimacy that's, uh, that's going on, the intimacy between a man and his wife. And yeah. that kind of intimacy and, and the, the coming together, well, now that, that says a lot. And, and Paul's actually going to develop that thought further um, uh, mm -hmm. elsewhere. But I mean, just, just just to stop and to think about that to to the point that you were just raising, you know, uh, can, can we do you know virtual communion? You know, it's like well, um, there there are certain other things that we could draw analogy to that you really can't do virtually. Though that's mm -hmm. opening a can of worms too. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you, you, there's no substitute for physical presence. You, you have to, you know, a man and a wife, like you have to actually be together. You actually have to be able to to look at each other and to to hold each other. It's not going to work without that, like, real physical presence. And not just, like, you know, kind of every once in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got to be together. I mean, this is why you, you live together. <laughs> you yeah. you have to be around each other all the time. And and uh, to, to kind of, like, draw that analogy then, it's like, whoa, hang on a second. That's what's going on in the Lord's Supper between Christ and the church? That yeah, we the, draw the, together. The physical presence? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is this is the the, the Greek word synerchomai in verse twenty. Uh, that's when you come together. It's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. There, he's actually saying the same thing he said back in in chapter seven, using the same verb. And and this whole understanding is it it you can't do it apart. You can't dine around the Lord's table if you're not together. Whatever yeah. you're doing, by definition, can't be communing 
because you can't commune alone. I mean, literally, the, the, the verb commune can't be done alone. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true, right? I mean, yeah, yeah commune, right? I mean, like, even, yeah. even there, like, you know, uh, un, mm-hmm. like, you know, is like the the joining, right? And then there's uh, the conflict. Yeah. It's together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, no, you, you don't even think about that. But so so kind of appreciating that then and kind of uh, looking at this context, I think that it's not actually so crazy because back in Chapter 10, What's he talking about? He's talking about, I mean, having, he's, he's talking about eating together, uh, mm-hmm. which again, in the cultural context, we got to stop and think about this. Eating together is a big deal. Um, yes, I it mean, is. think about what happened uh, with, with Paul and Peter in the disagreement over eating with Christians, either the, uh, the Gentile, formerly Gentile Christians, the Greek speaking mm-hmm. Christians, or the Hebrew speaking, Aramaic speaking Christians, right? That were there. Uh, Party of the circumcision. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and so think about that, right? It was a big deal when Peter was like, no, I'm going to eat over here. I'm going to sit with these guys. Because eating says, hey, we're, we're, we're together. We're on the same page. We're, you know, the same group, right? So what's fascinating then in chapter 10, he's talking about this, you know, first of all, just a little, little comment. Um, Fascinating. He does say that you can eat with unbelievers, that's what seems to suggest, or it says that he's, that's, what's, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of an interesting little tidbit on its on its own. Uh, but but he's talking about yeah this idea of of being together um, and the difference between communing with Christ versus communing with demons. And so then mm-hmm. when he's talking about head coverings, it's like actually this makes a whole lot of sense because hey if if we're each like you were saying everyone covers their head or nobody covers their head right if we're all mm-hmm. just kind of christians who are here just doing our own thing well we're we're just kind of undermining the whole notion of communion so this head covering thing actually makes sense right in the middle of all this stuff about the lord's supper yes it it definitely again context makes makes all the difference and here's not just the the social context it's the scriptural sequence of what he's doing and i, I think the other thing to, to keep in mind here is this whole understanding of eating together in what I will call the, the Eastern Mediterranean, at least, is a whole lot different than what happens in North America, because I've used this analogy for years. We walk into a restaurant, we sit down, and a menu is handed to us, or it was months ago. Now that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, yeah, right. In the process... We were eating in a room full of people we had never met and would never see again, and we thought nothing of it. In the Middle East, you walk down, you walk into a room and sit down and eat with people in the same room. That gives you, culturally, an obligation to protect and care for those people as long as they are in your presence. If you Mm. dine together, you have extended to them your protection and acceptance. And yeah. this concept is still in this passage. And again, yeah. this is why I said earlier, context does inform, even though it's not the only thing, it definitely informs here, that the idea that you could go in and, and eat with strangers, where were the places that was done? Well, in Corinth, you could go and dine at the temple of Dionysius, perhaps. What does yeah. that mean? You're there with the co-worshippers of this, this uh, false god. And so when you dine there, that's the meat sacrificed idols he's talking about. 
you're publicly saying we endorse this this worship practice. And Paul says, you can't approach it that way. And when it comes to the Lord's Supper, it's even worse because there's a spiritual harm that can come to someone for, from misusing this, this meal of the Lord. So... Well, and so let's talk a little bit about that too, because we want to make sure mm-hmm. that we we get to that. I mean, that, that's a big, that's a big question. So, he, he's talking about this, um, you know, the kinds of division that exists, right? And so, uh, this really mm-hmm. fits like everything that we've seen so far. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat for an one for an eating. One goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Another gets drunk, right? So everyone's mm-hmm. doing their own thing, and there, there's sort of a perhaps, given what we've seen so far that there's, there seems to be perhaps distinctions among the Corinthians where they're saying, like, you know, these are kind of the, the wealthy people or, like, the respected people that are hanging yeah. out, the people mm-hmm. who have, you know, uh, maybe they're, like, more educated. Uh, then there's the people who are not, and they're the more blue-collar people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's really unfortunate when you think about that because you think to yourself, oh, well, this, we would never do that in our church. But um, look no, at your church and think about, do the blue-collar people hang out together, and then the white-collar people, they all hang out together, and so they kind of each have their own cliques, and one's sort of like the, we're the practical people, and then the other side's like the, oh, we kind of like the fancy stuff. I mean, like, mm-hmm. that yeah. dynamic happens in so many congregations so often. Um, yes, it does. Yeah, th- it's not just a Corinthian thing. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, just, we just naturally make these cliques, right? We, we tend to associate with people who already behave in the way we do because then we don't have to adjust our behavior or our thought process. When, in fact, yeah. what, what Christianity calls us to do is literally to stop thinking that way and to have a change of mind so that we see all people as God sees them. And as uh, one pastor once put it, all of our relationships with other people are based first and foremost on the relationship we have with Christ that they also will have with Christ. So it's not about what are they, what education level do they have, or what's what's their favorite hobby, or worse concept yet, what sports team do they root for? I mean, let's yeah. face it: if you're going to get a Cubs fan and a Cardinals fan together at the same church, I don't know how it does out in California, but you know, in the Greater <laughs> St. Louis area, that's a challenge. So, anyway, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. no, no. I mean, right. I mean, no. It, it's it's fair, right? People take take that stuff really seriously, and so it's yeah. What, what what's what's interesting, what's telling, right? Is like, okay, they might sit in the same pew together, you know, while they don't look at each other and just you mm-hmm. know firmly face forward. But but then when it's the potluck afterwards, right? Where does everyone sit? Where where who do people talk yeah. to? Right. Mm-hmm. And and, that, and that's just the thing. Like you know, if, if we're treating the church like it's just another social club where it's just sort of like. Yeah, I'm going to kind of find my niche, and I'm going to find the people who I like. Uh, that's, I mean, J- well, first, I mean, the letter of, of James has so much mm-hmm. to talk about, about partiality and favoritism. Absolutely. Um, but, 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 yeah, so, so that's the thing. So you, you see this in, in 1 Corinthians 11, how, uh, yeah, this Lord's Supper, it's like, hey, guys, you, you can't go and just have these divisions, these disconnects, right, where there's a, there's a you know, wealthy people table where you've got, more wine than you know what to do with and then there's like mm-hmm. a poor people table where like they they're going to be starved because you're you're making this big long meal i mean so to, so to think about that the disconnects right well mm-hmm. therefore we see okay there's the head covering stuff are we are yeah. we saying like you know what man woman whatever we're disconnected we're each doing our own thing 
or, or do mm-hmm. we have union there as well? And so when he gets to this point about judgment then, and he says, uh, I mean, it's, it's f- so fascinating, right? In verse 29, for, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, yes. eats and drinks mm-hmm. judgment on himself. He didn't he hadn't say anything beyond the body. So it is kind of an interesting moment there because on the one level, you know, he could be talking about the body of Christ as in like, you know, the mm-hmm. body, like Christ is truly present. But it, it seems kind of foremost, he's saying, you know, if you don't discern that you all are the single yeah. body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, wow, that, that's everything he's been talking about. That's pretty powerful stuff. And, and it's, as you, as you mentioned, it's everyone who eats and drinks. Yeah. Both, without discerning just the body, makes it a strong argument that he's talking about this, this relationship we have in Christ. And then the next, the next verse in particular strikes me as so startling at one level. And because, bluntly, I've never heard a doctor diagnose someone's illness as having been caused by abuse of the Lord's Supper. But the Apostle Paul says, that's happened. And this is why many are weak and ill, and some have died, because they don't recognize who God is, who they are, in connection to the other people around them. And the the weak illness problem, uh, you know, there, there are two interesting facets I've discovered over the years. One is that prayer is uh, a beneficial thing for us because it causes us to empty ourselves before God. And the other one is that refusal to forgive kills you. Yeah. yeah. And, and Paul's probably getting back to that idea that, that with, without recognizing the body of Christ in this group, by creating a faction and mistreating others, they're actually harming themselves, not just in the spiritual sense, but it, it has the physical impact as well. Both of them are serious. And the, the whole understanding then, if we have judged ourselves truly, am I being divisive? Am I causing this problem? Am I looking down on another group? You know, introspection. Had a person make a comment to me after service a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, personal introspection is really the hardest thing to do. And, and that's being honest with ourselves about our sin and our motives and our treatment of other people. That's hard to look at because we, we like to think of ourselves as being slightly better than that. Or at least I do. I don't know about you. And, and in the process, oh, you're sure. I, I, fail, I fail to properly see myself. But when I see myself as Christ sees me, then I see others as Christ sees them. And that works out. And this is the judging of ourselves truly judging ourselves, as Paul puts it, then we know. We've, we've done it ahead right. of time so that the Lord doesn't have to come and straighten us out because we messed it up. So. Well, and, and this, uh, this theme of judgment here at the end is really significant, and I think we got uh, this will probably have to be the closing thought, We're just trying to like mm-hmm. parse this out. Because um, we've been talking about this, actually, how you know, the Christian life is not just one of, you know, we, we, we kind of think about, oh, what are the things that I'm struggling with? What are the what are the things that I need for my spiritual sus- sustenance, right? Mm-hmm. What are the things that will help me out? Um, what do I need to work on? Well, no, I mean, yeah, there, there's part of that. But really, as a whole, this is what we were talking about before. It was like, uh, I think it was back in the previous chapter here, where he was talking about the um, God will not set, uh, he will not allow you to be tempted uh, beyond your ability. And it's the right. you plural there, right, in, in verse 13. Yeah. So, so he's talking about 
you know, the community sinning or the community resisting temptation, the community mm-hmm. examining itself. And so thinking about that, the larger body, what's going on here, this is then really interesting. So this is not simply, you know, did you ask yourself like 10, 50 questions, who knows, uh, you know, the day mm-hmm. of or the day before. And so you're now you're ready to receive communion. Like, have you thought and examined the body itself? Because there's a different, there's different words, right? In verse 31, yeah. mm-hmm. in, in Greek there, it's this word that's kind of like examine, uh, because there's this mm-hmm. extra little part that comes on front. Um, and in 32, it's just judge, which, which mm-hmm. is, I think, getting more to like condemned. So it's like, if you examine yourself, you don't wind up condemned, mm-hmm. which I think goes back to chapter 10, where he says, hey... Why should I just, you know, go and be free in order to cause condemnation to happen and scandalize people? So I think he's coming around full circle here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is definitely the the focus. We live together in the church, and this is so hard for us. God has to create in us this mind of Christ, who emptied Himself. And for, for you and me to be emptying ourselves, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But when that happens, then we are truly what God has made us, the body of Christ, individually members of one another. That's God's work. And that's great when we can enjoy that reality. And that's why the Lord's Supper is a way to, to do that together. Amen, brother. Well, hey, just so, so many things going on here. But I appreciate the way you broke it down for us. Uh, Glad that we were able to get you, too, and looking forward to having another conversation soon. All right. Thank you. God's blessing. Everybody, that was Pastor Stephen Tice from Frona, Missouri. Moving on to Chapter 12, Spiritual Gifts. What does that mean? Until then, I'm Pastor H.S. Spinoza. Peace. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.